Hello, and welcome to the AgriFood Safety Produce Bites podcast, where we discuss all things produce safety and dive into the rules and regulations surrounding the Food Safety Modernization Act Produce Safety Rule. Hi, this is Jordan DeVries. I'm a produce safety technician with Michigan Conservation Districts. I work on the west central side of the state of Nuego Conservation District. I'm Ben Phillips. I work with Michigan State University Extension. I'm an extension educator that works with vegetable growers in the east central part of Michigan. I'm Beth Van Dyke from Van Dyke Farms. I've been doing food safety here in our family farm for over eight years. And we're going to be talking today about the 2018 and 2019 romaine lettuce outbreaks and how those affect leafy greens growers here in Michigan. Beth, what goes through your mind when an outbreak linked to a crop that you grow occurs? I'm not a, I guess because I'm pretty confident that we are doing the food safety practices needed, I truly don't get alarmed. But yet at the same time, knowing that there is that potential, a little bit of risk, knowing that some people could get sick, um, a part of me does worry. But overall, um, because of our food safety practice, I'm pretty much at peace with um, that we are probably not a part of it. Sounds like it's assuring not only to have a plan, but then also any documentation that you've filed that plan throughout the um, growing cycle of your crop. Oh, yeah. We have so many documents. We have, it's become a lifestyle here. And that's kind of what we had to get at peace with. When this food safety started years ago, we kind of um, had a different attitude. It was, we did it, um, we were really frustrated thinking people are telling us what to do. Um, We didn't like it. We did it um, kind of with a bad attitude. And now it's to the point where we've embraced it and accepted this is our lifestyle. So our attitude has changed over time. Oh, absolutely. Okay. It's gotten better. There's great support. I, I tell you what, our customers... Our great support when they come and do our audits, our preseason audits um, and pre-harvest audits, phone calls, they're right there. Um, we also we also thought they were against us. We thought they would come and audit us to shut us down, mm. realizing they're like, no, we need you. What do you need from us? Oh. They're on our side. you know. And I think as a grower, I think if growers would realize people aren't going after us, they need us. They need our product, and this is what we need to do in order for our family to sell our product to them so we can have a family business and our employees can have a job. So it's all about, um, it's kind of a team mentality. And some of these customers, actually, we have a close friendship with because we see them. I mean, it's, it's more than business with some of them. Yeah, Fantastic. Uh, so we know that the most recent outbreaks have been most likely from a water source and or maybe multiple water sources, but the water was messed up. There was something in it. No good. And then the produce got it and it went all over the place. But um, And there's a lot of focus on handling that water and changing water practices. But um, So FISMA is a multi-pronged rule. It's not just got a water component. And then also the third-party food safety things like GAPS and GFSI, they've got a lot more outside of just water. So what other reasons could uh, an outbreak like this have, what other ways could it have been caused that had nothing to do with water? 
Do you have any, like, what else could have been a problem? I can't speak specifically for Romaine, but when you look back to the 2006 spinach outbreak, um, a funny thing occurred in that um, the contaminated E. coli was actually traced to um, local uh, cattle operations, but there were no cattle getting into those spinach fields. What you actually had were feral hogs that were eating uh, dung or cow manure and then uh, translocating that, bringing it into um, those spinach fields and, and as they roamed around. And so you saw big efforts in there to reduce areas where those pigs could could hide in um, in ravines and forests and things like that. So we actually saw a lot of riparian habitat um, being managed in result of trying to reduce um, the refuge areas of, for feral hogs around those spinach growing fields. Right. Wow. Uh, and then how about the the, the cantaloupe case uh, from a few years a few years back that. That had, that had to do with harborage points on har- post-harvest equipment, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so when we saw that, um, that cantaloupe uh, outbreak with Jensen Farms in 2011, um, we saw a lot of use of other equipment. And with the netting on the cantaloupe, it's not the same uh, level of um, uh, growth surface as things that that equipment may have been designed for. And so it was actually able to... Um, get more bacteria in the the netting of the cantaloupe. Um, Cantaloupe, we also know, is something that can absorb water if if it's moving from in a temperature gradient in a bath. And that may have allowed the uh, listeria to translocate into the the rind instead of being on the outside of the fruit there. From the temperature differential? Yeah. Mm. So it it may have been one or both of those things in confluence that, that caused that. But um, we certainly uh, were made more aware of the potential for um, the growth potential on the surface of the crop yeah. with that outbreak. Yeah. So stuff moves on other things. Uh, it can move on pigs. It can move on uh, poop. It can move on pieces of metal, on equipment and brushes and stuff. Water always makes things worse. But uh, there are other ways that these outbreaks happen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Have there been any new regulations or audit policies that have come out of the most recent outbreaks? And you sort of started with this before we even started recording, too. Yeah. So there there really hasn't been any new regulations. There's there's a lot of investigation going on, both with the Leafy Green Marketing Agreement in the states of California, Arizona, as well as, you know, federally. You know, the uh, U.S. House wants to know what's going on with why isn't our food safe? This is. 2020 in the United States of America, and why isn't our food at the level of expectation that our consumers and our buyers and everyone in society wants it to be? And I think that um, you have to go through those um, thought processes of it. We're still growing food outside, thankfully, in um, the 20th, 21st century. And there are um, there are hazards that have to be considered, whether it's animals both livestock and wild animals, um, domestic and wild animals. Um, there's people involved in things. And then we've got water and, and water moves. We all know that, you know, floods can potentially bring uh, contamination sources in. And that's why it's so important in, when doing a water system inspection to look at what's, what are the potential watershed effects here? What, what's 
um, upstream from, you know, what's flowing onto the water that I'm using. And so that's really important to think about the proximity to animal operations, um, maybe even areas that are uh, populated and, and have failing septic systems and things like that to, to really have a, a, a wide ranging um, sense for those microbial hazards and where they're at and what times of the year can bring them um, to the farm or the water sources that the farm is using. So not really any new regulations or even policies, but but more attention is being asked to be put into these types of... Uh... Yeah, if, if it's a regulation to think of, the Leafy Green Marketing Agreement is going to be requesting that those growers in California and Arizona do conduct uh, water treatment, um, be it chlorination or acidification to the irrigation water mm -hmm. so that then we don't have these potential... Um, contaminated source water source outbreaks occurring. Um, it doesn't mean that that um, produce is safe just because it's receiving chlorinated or acidified water. Mm -hmm. You still have to go through those preventative practices of um, hygienic handling and working on hygienic design and um, the packing house environment, but trying to reduce water as the main carrier for these um, harmful bacteria is probably the the most important step that um, leafy greens growers can take. Uh, so Beth, what what comes to mind when an outbreak is announced for you? You know, even if it's in the off season. Well, first, what kind of an outbreak? Is it water? Is it listeria or salmonella? Yeah. Uh, because oh, those those are really? the. Oh, yeah. We, you, have, um, you have a different reaction if it's salmonella versus... Well, you want to know what it is, yeah, oh, okay. because oh. it's different okay. different, uh, different uh, steps we take. You know, the oh. listeria salmonella, um, we have deer fence out. We have frog fence around our water sources. I mean, Frog it, fence? We have to have frog fences up, yes, because yeah. oh. we don't want frogs. Um, and then our coolers, our cold storage, you know, we have to clean everything um this even is our, for listeria or salmonella yep we okay. have, and we have swab we mm -hmm. swab our harvest machines we clean those we do atp swabbing we swab our coolers that um, basically goes to a lab for like genetic yep, testing right? yep oh, wow. so i mean it's again when you look at and this is all from an outbreak happening somewhere else this is somewhere else oh yeah this is what's required of us okay. yeah i think it's tough when there's you know this idea of this microscopic organism out there that yeah. it's like a ghost it's yeah. you can't see it you don't know yeah. if it's there right. if it's yeah. not there yeah. i i don't know if if i can eat off this table or not you know what have been the past practices that right. have been involved here yep. yeah well, i i get frustrated because i know the extreme it's laughable yeah it's ex the money we spend on food safety and then when i go to a restaurant i get really I'm mad, I'm mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. thinking we have to wear gloves, hair nets, um, beard nets, sleeves, aprons, and we're working outdoors mm -hmm. and you go to a restaurant and you see these waitresses with their hair flopping around, swinging with the tray of food right here, right next to their head. Yeah. And um, you see the counters, the tables. And I just want to say, if they only knew what mm -hmm. we're doing and then the farmer, we get hit the hardest. Yeah, yeah. And um, so listeria. And you're so disconnected too. So when when there's an outbreak far, far away, uh, you go through all these steps, even though 
didn't occur here, but that's all just to to make the system feel at peace, essentially. To make us feel at peace, yeah. yeah. So if it was something that, uh, say, not listeria or not salmonella, E. coli instead, how does that change your response? I wasn't aware of how different the response would be according to the pathogen, but... Well, you, you want to know what the outbreak is yeah. because that determines where you're going to look mm-hmm. to um, figure out the problem. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, I yeah. think it's important in this context... For farmers to at least be versed in what, you know, we can jokingly call uh, conversational microbiology or just knowing how to do a hazard analysis, what uh, pathogens are associated with what sources. You're not really going to get listeria from any manure going out of your fields, but you could get toxic E. coli from that manure source. So understanding sources and then pathways of how it's moved onto the farm, be it water or feral pigs, that certainly plays a role. Mm-hmm. And as a farmer, you got to understand my past is not in farming. Mm-hmm. I have no history with farming. I was a teacher and I married a farmer. This food safety industry came about because I married to Doug, I became his food safety person. Mm-hmm. So I'm very ignorant and I'm not a scientist. So like you said, if you can find somebody in your family farm to, to get your mind around some of the science. Not that you have to become a scientist or knowledgeable, mm-hmm. but I can hear Listeria and Salmonella and E. coli 0157, and I know where it comes from. That's probably the extent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then we turn to people that are the scientists. You know, I'll call the, the lab. Mm-hmm. I'm calling you again. I don't understand this. Can you please tell me? I says, I'm so sorry. I feel dumb. Mm-hmm. But the lab will re-educate me and they empathize with me and they try to educate me. And that's a yearly thing. You know, you're not, you don't have to become a scientist, but mm-hmm. like he said, be knowledgeable. And, and, and foster those relationships yes. with the folks at the lab yes. or, or with folks with extension or yes. conservation districts that are a little bit trained in this. Yes. You know, we, we don't, we don't have the ability to think like a microbial organism, even though they say 90% of our bodies are, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. by cell count are mi- a microbial. Um, the idea here is to use science to interpret yes. data mm-hmm. and then use that data to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and be comfortable with asking for help and reaching out. You have to. Mm-hmm. When each of these outbreaks occurs, or let's say they're just the most recent ones, what's like the first phone call that you get, no matter what time of year it is? Do you get you get a call from a buyer immediately who, no. who knows that you also grow lettuce and you're part of the, the system? Uh, the most recent run we saw on, on Facebook, the news, emails, whatever. You know, I, I subscribe to Food Safety and Doug and Dennis have their connections but it's through the phones, cell phones, news, and uh, we'll get an email um, if anybody wants any documentation. But it's all through the media. Hmm. Hmm. Because you got to remember, we've never been part. We've never had an outbreak. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we've never had a phone call. Mm-hmm. Thankfully. Okay. So, when there is an outbreak somewhere, um, that gives me faith that there is somebody or a whole group of people who know through geography and business relationships that the outbreak does have a geographic focus and there's a seasonality to it. And so that 
you're not getting that call because you're either out of season or they just know because of the way uh, business transactions work that none of your product was into that mix. So that gives me faith, right. <laughs> actually, that they're not just calling because that would tell me that they're just blindly uh, just flailing. If if it happened there and they know it's there and only there and it's spread from that point uh, and it's not been in Michigan and Michigan's not even in season, if you get a panic call then, that would be kind of frustrating to me. Right. Well, but, you got to realize now everything has a barcode. Yeah. Everything. I mean... The, the problem is with this last one, it was a mix. And the sad thing of it is there was chicken in there too. Mm. So it seems like lettuce is, someone's always blamed. It's always the lettuce people. Mm. And I think that's what frustrates us. You know, it could have, it was a mix. How can you decide from that mix? Mm. Even mixing can, can create its own. There's a whole other system of system. conveyors yeah. and processing right. and metal. But and even, and, even yeah. the mixing of the lettuce with the chicken, can, I'm not a scientist, probably can create another disease you know what i'm saying hmm. you don't mix things like at home when you make something you wait till the last minute to mix something like hmm. a salad because it creates a problem hmm. so with this last outbreak yes lettuce was you know hit hard um but who's to really say it was the lettuce when it was a mixed situation um but we take the hit they get the blame so that's where we get frustrated when you say take a hit, do you feel, I mean, aside from spending more for testing services and food safety reactionary responses, are you feeling the hit in any other way in terms of just lack of sales because of um, outbreaks? I hear people in the community or people end up saying, I'm not eating lettuce anymore. Mm -hmm. They're going to go to kale or mm -hmm. be, they're, they're not even, There's, because the media said yeah. the media's gospel, instead of saying, like you do to your kids, settle down, relax. Again, I can't say enough of that. The last one was a mix. I think a core or thematically what we want to talk about is like you're growing outside. There are there are microbial hazards out there. You can't do anything about it. We're, we're never going to, well, I don't want to say never, but um, it makes more sense to grow outside than inside in controlled environments. And we know that water, unhygienic workers, and in some cases, if we're using um, the manures and other biological uh, soil amendments, that those are the big heavy hitters of, of what's bringing contamination. At least when they go back and have done an outbreak investigation, they develop this environmental assessment, they see that those are the big heavy hitters of why our food is getting us sick when it comes to produce. Um, and if we can control those, we can then start to insulate from these other things that are out there but growing outside in, in an open air environment is going to inherently have risks and the idea is not to eliminate all risks but to reduce the big risks and then keep be mindful of what those small risks are thank you jordan for coming over from the west side and thank you beth for hosting us in this really comfortable meeting space it was great to hear all the things you're doing on the farm to keep their remains safe Links or definitions to anything referenced in this episode are provided in our show notes, which can be accessed on the website at canr.msu.edu slash agrifood underscore safety. You may also visit the Agrifood Safety website for additional produce safety resources, trainings, and assistance offered by MSU Extension. Thank you to everyone for listening, and don't forget to tune in next month for another episode of our Produce Bites podcast.